Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday still <laughs> on the West Coast. And East Coast, nope, not so more. You're on Tuesday. It's February 6th here, though, the end of the day, 2023. And it's been another one, like we always say. Just wait 24 hours. If you thought today was crazy, it'll get better. More crazy, that is. No question about it. Before we begin, Patriots, make sure that you're doing a good job of being prepared for uncertain times. One of those critical issues is food. Patriots, there's no denying anymore our most trusted institutions are collapsing before our eyes. It's up to you and me to act now to protect ourselves. No one will do it for us. That's why I urge you to invest in emergency food before it's too late. Right now, if you go to MyPatriotSupply.com, you can save a ton on their three-month emergency food kit. This is at a new lower price that you're going to want to see. You can trust My Patriot Supply. I do. Their three-month emergency food kit comes packed with great tasting, and I mean great tasting, breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. It averages over 2,000 calories per day, and that's going to be critical as food becomes more scarce. Get at least one kit for each person in your family. Listen, there's not much time. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and save $200 on your three-month emergency food kits while you can. These kits are in stock and they ship fast and free. Plus, they arrive in unmarked boxes so nobody knows you've ordered food. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com while you can. MyPatriotSupply.com. This is one of the best decisions you can make. Great company, too. And those things last for up to 20 years on your shelf. That's the type of baseline preps you need for your whole house, which is important. doesn't matter what the situation. We're seeing winter issues like in Texas. We're going to see droughts. We're going to see shortages of things. The world's just basically being held together by duct tape and bailing wire right now. Imagine if you're in Turkey. I would, but you know what's really interesting about the Turkey thing? I don't know if you've seen that. But the earthquake in Turkey, a lot of that earthquake hit like right down one street. It's really kind of weird. I don't know. I'm just, I, these things I do pay attention to because there's just so many strange anomalies in our world. Let me begin with something I think is really on point. This is a, a quote by Rob Siltonen. Rob Siltonen. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes. The ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them, because they change things. They push the human race forward, and while some may see them as crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. That's awesome. That's like, I should put that up. I should put a bumper sticker on that or paint my whole car with it, my whole Jeep. That's literally how I believe and try to live. That's just it. You got to be outside the box all the time. And it's, if not, we're, we're constantly falling into this quagmire of complacency. In the previous uh, show, someone sent me a link to a substack called The Sixth Millennium. And I'm going to read the beginning of this 
real quickly. This is by Jeff, Jeff Childers. Today I'm writing about another significant sign that we could already be headed into the sixth millennial millennium end times. The existence of one world government predicted by the Bible. And if that's true, what should we do about it? Question mark. The title of this is Meet the One World Government. Christians should stop fretting about the one world government because it's a fait complete. We should fact we should fact facts and start fighting it head on. And then he goes on. Christian eschatology has long been awaiting a giant development, the arrival of an antichrist-led world government, a new Roman empire that will take control of the world and enslave us all, outlawing Christian worship and requiring people to be marked as loyal subjects. So the key statement in that is Christian eschatology has long been awaiting. And that is exactly the problem. Because it's like everybody's been waiting for something to come instead of doing something about it. And we end up in these places. Then people start saying, oh, you know, it's going to be end of times. That's it. All right. But I don't see anywhere in there in Scripture it says sit on. We should have sat on our butt for all this time. And that's the, ultimately the problem I have so much with the complacency attitude or even the end of times. So much of the end of times attitude is just we are awaiting the arrival of. Good thing David didn't await Goliath to come over to his side. Good thing Gideon didn't await for the enemy to come running up the hill. Good thing Joshua didn't await for the armies of Jericho to come flooding out of the gate. I just, you know, these are the, we don't have a history in the Bible of awaiting. We have a history of the Bible of leaning in, following God's command of his direction, but leaning in and confronting the enemy and confronting them decisively and at times ruthlessly. Christ flipped tables. Christ walked into the, into the temple of the Pharisees. He didn't await for them to come outside like, oh, I'm out here. Y'all want to come out and have a little sidewalk chat? Because I'm a little bit of timid to go inside the temple. That was definitely not Christ. And it took amazing courage and strength and absolute rock-solid stance to be able to face these. And obviously, I mean, he's the son of God, but he's in, the, he's in a humanly form in flesh. None of that got to him. And that's really where we all needed to be. We're, you know, you're seeing more and more of this, which is good. And I don't want to make it sound like nothing is happening because there's a lot of things happening. But I would say that within the Christian communities, the church-going communities, I would say there's a lot less going on than there is on those that are awakening to the love in Christ, which is really inspiring. And that's kind of where all those comments were directed. Last night I touched, I touched on my grandmother's note that was in her Bible. It was her mother's Bible that got sent, given to me. And it's a beautiful Bible. I don't, I don't open it that much. I think there's probably some questions that came from that. It's like, well, how come you didn't find that sooner? Because I'm careful with that Bible. It was printed in 1890. And the binding is still strong, but the leather on the outside is very fragile. 
And I'm not trying to get it all reconditioned and looking brand new at all because I like the patina of the aged. It looks beautiful. So it's just not a Bible that I dig into a lot because it's, it is relatively fragile. But it's still, still amazing, that note that she wrote. And as I said last night, it was such a stately, very stately note from a woman who was very in love with Jesus. Sometime back, I was given, when I say sometime back, I mean like well before I even knew Brad Cummings, I was given a Founder's Bible. And Brad had directed me today to look inside of there for something, which I'll get to in a second. But as I opened the Founder's Bible, I had forgotten that somebody had put in effectively a what is like a book plate in the beginning of this Bible. I say somebody, the person who gave it to me, sent it to me. It was a beautiful gift. And in the in this book plate in the front, and by the way, when I received the Founder's Bible, I didn't really even know what it was because it was, it had such a different cover. It was like, you know, I was asking myself, like, what is this? Until you start to dig in and then you realize what a treasure that is. But what they wrote is really beautiful. And I want to read it tonight because I think it's so on point. So here it goes. And again, they, this is handwritten on a piece of paper that they put in the front and then glued it in. God's word contains the mind of Christ, the state of humanity, the way of life, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Read it and be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It gives life to to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to, to cheer you. It is a traveler's map, the soldier's sword, and the Christian chart. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a, it is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given in life, will be opened in heaven, and remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest of labor, and confronts all who trifle with it. Those last pieces there I think are so important. It involves the highest responsibility. I don't know that we think about that, and I'm not saying we don't act that way, but I don't know that we think about that as a process in Scripture, that it entails the highest responsibility, which it does. I mean, I can tell you that just from my seat, that's, that was, those words have, be, have become over the last, I guess, coming up on four years, and those words have become a living, daily, breathing experience for me, because every time you're speaking scripture, you're speaking as a, as a disciple, you're speaking the words of God, and when you talk about them, it's a huge responsibility, so... It is a big deal. So anyway, what Brad had pointed out to me, which I don't know if you're aware of, but in the front of the Founder's Bible, there is a section right in the very beginning 
Oh, by the way, this what I did with this Founders Bible, let me rephrase this. What was done for me for this Founders Bible was that Duncan Kilted Christian made a custom leather cover for it. It is stunning. And I know he makes them. I don't know how he how what he does. He does them, I think, on commission. He surprised me with this one. It's stunning. It has a, a beautiful embossing of Jesus on the front, and it has on the back, he took the B-O-W logo and he boss, embossed it with a cross next to it. It's just gorgeous. So in the front of the Founder's Bible, they put in the traditions of what I was speaking of last night in my grandmother's Bible. So you have Ancestors of Interest page where you can put the name and everything and details about them. And then they have a section of Our Family Tree, which you can enter in back to your great-grandparents, the names of everybody. And I, I think what makes this, why that ends up being so, so important is this becomes a living part of the family. That's what Bibles used to be, and this is what the attempt here is to reinvigorate. And I'm not saying that this is unique in Bibles, but it is more uncommon these days to find this than common in Bibles. And then there's a significant family events. So you can record births, deaths, baptisms, weddings, graduations, etc. And then you also can record another section that's called Our Spiritual Journey, where you can make notes on significant events in the spiritual journey of your family. To me, those are such important components in an age of digital where we try to do, we seem to do every, everything online. And it's all <laughs> stuffed in the cloud or something. You know, there's a big push. I'm trying to think when this was, this would be back in 2000, I mean like 2003. In and around that time, and then moving forward, but there was a huge push to get everybody to put their photos on CD. Get rid of the negatives. Get rid of the prints. Put it all on digital so you can share it, and you can have it as they make you sell. As they would tell people, you can have it forever. So they were selling photo stores, and we actually had photographic stores. Which they're they're so rare these days. But you'd go in and you would buy a negative scanner and you could scan your negatives. And it was such a new concept that people didn't understand resolution. They didn't understand dots per inch, DPI. They didn't understand archiving. And it's really a pretty tragic event because there's a lot of photos that are going to be lost over time or heavily degraded because Digital doesn't archive well over time on a standard CD and with low-resolution scans. And the high-resolution scans are kind of here today, but that technology then, people literally got rid of massive archives of photos. And some just family stuff, others could have been important. But it's always this rush towards the future and not remembering the simplicity and the lessons of the past. And I think that has a lot of wisdom in it especially at the pace we're moving right now with the introduction of an artificial intelligence that's supposed to do 
I think they're even, if they can start, if I can get an artificial intelligence to do one thing, I would just, I would hire it, get a builder robot and hire it to just clean the bathroom. That's it. And then, and oh, and shuffle paperwork because I can't stand paperwork. And probably all I need for paperwork is I would just need it to scan it, see if it was a bill that I needed to pay, and then otherwise, or some sort of legal document, and then otherwise put a little flamethrower in its wrist and just have it incinerate all those papers right there. It'd be great. Get rid of it all. So on this point of looking back and in the point of preserving, it really brings up Joshua 4, memorial stones from Jordan. So I want to go through that tonight. Now when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for each yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the middle of the, of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you and lay them down on the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called to twelve men whom he had appointed from the stones of sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. And think in the word memorial, what is important here is it's memorializing an amazing event to be recounted because it is so significant to appreciate the power of the Lord in that moment. If we take a time to reflect back on our lives, we have been walking a path that God has put us on, whether we've known him or not. And that path, many times, he's been right on that edge, right there with us as we've tried to wander through. He's just been there patiently waiting for us to welcome him in. Much of our life, if we do a quick summary of our life, we will highlight events that are shaped by what this culture and what our society deems as heroic, important, value-added, significant. And we'll very quickly erase the moments or overlook the moments better that seem insignificant. We may not remember a simple day outside playing, but we will remember a day when we decided to leave the house without permission and we got called back and we got swatted. We may not remember that precious moment of just sitting at the table with the family and as a little child listening to the amazing conversation but we will remember being reminded that we have to help clear the table and do the dishes. 
we tend to, as a people, put a lot of emphasis on negatives. And that's a lot driven by a culture that highlights and presses forward with a negative reinforcement concept. And we are in a world where good things really aren't as precious as drama, traumatic things, and significant events that take us to the limit. And in no way am I casting aside the importance of having a life that has challenges or those significant events that do push us to the limit. But in a journey with God, I would argue that the significant events are part of the journey. The quiet, peaceful, and loving events are the deeper message. In the beginning of of this passage, Joshua 4, 1 to 7, I, I guess, um, that first passage there, four one to seven, really strikes me at this because they're going into battle, and this is a moment in time when the Lord has been speaking boldly to Joshua, and he's been entrusted to take this army across the River Jordan, and there is a huge event that happens before them, and maybe some of them don't see it right then, but they pass through it, and that is the separating of the waters as it happened with Moses. And it's an easy thing to take to take for granted. And it's amazing. And it, and we tend to do this a lot in our lives. We will be confronted with amazing events and we'll miss them because we're consumed in our own head. We're trying to figure out if Sally or Billy are going to be at dinner tonight on time. We're going to we're consumed with all the things not in the moment. And yet there's profound things that happen in our moment if we're living in present in every step that we make. In this moment, they are asked to pick up a stone, to go back over and bring back a stone, to memorialize a moment that was massively significant and it becomes an anchor point for them in their lives as God tells them it will. But it's more than just their children. It's even for them because what's ahead of them is this horrendous fight. And though we don't hear of the enemy opposing Joshua's army much, we know that the brutality of that fight is significant. And that's Jericho. It's going to be a journey up with massive amounts of trust, trusting in the Lord, trusting in their commander, Joshua, to pray and walk around a, a city for seven times, and then seven times on the seventh day. And then suddenly as the walls collapse, being commanded to go in and to slay every man, woman, child, and donkey. That's a significant event. But they miss in that whole moment, as God knows beforehand, he realizes, in my opinion, what this whole passage is about is that when he's, that's coming, he knows that what the more important event is that he has to remind them of the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you start to look at Jericho and you realize what's coming, it's there's going to be a true understanding of the power of the blade, the sort of steel driven by the commands of the Lord. But those actions are not the normal for God. The normal for God is this, it is the 
God of great miracles, the supernatural God that can literally divide a river and you can peacefully walk through. And that's the story that he's asking to be memorialized with a stone that they carry forward. So now consider our Bibles in our home and how significant those names and events should be in our Bibles. We talk about births, how significant an event that should be and memorialized to remember the birth of somebody. Births these days, and not that they're not unimportant for the family, for the immediate family, but we don't look back on our families with that much reverence for births other than to say, well, okay, who's, who's connected to who and what's my bloodline and where did I come from? One of those things, too, that I find amazing with Americans is this obsession of wanting to know where their origins are. It's a, it's a vulnerability. It's an insecurity for so many because they want to know, well, okay, well, I, I'm X part this and X part that, and I've got a little bit of this, and then I came from this, and this is how I came over. And they're forgetting the entire reason people came to this country, by the way. People came here to cast off where they were coming from and to only take what was the best to become something new, which was to become an American. Teddy Roosevelt's famous quote, there is no place for a 50-50 American. There is no place for a hyphenated American. You're either an American or you're not. And I agree with that because this was truly a new land. And for our founding fathers and some of the others, they felt this was the new Jerusalem. Remember, Israel was not around at that point. Israel was purchased by the Rothschilds in the 40s, 30s and 40s. And Israel was made by taking the lands of others. But this land was truly to be a promised land. And it was to be something of great pride to be an American. And so there was a great deal of importance within the scriptures, I mean, within a Bible and a family to now document the births. And you have to remember too how common death was. The pilgrims, when they came over, lost, and I, it was an amazing event, amazing demonstration of this when I was up at Plymouth Rock with the Resistance Chicks, the Covenant uh, conference that they had. And they took the whole group and had them stand up. I'm sorry, the other way around. They, they, they pointed out to have people stand up specifics. And the reason they did this is we were able to see visually how many were left after the first winter in the pilgrims. And it wasn't very many, I'll tell you. Death was very common. I think they lost close to 60% in the first winter. And you can imagine that because the, here they are Christians and they're now they're having to face a new problem because in order to continue, they're going to have to be able to propagate with more than one husband. That's an odd one. But anyway, our importance of our history can't be understated. What we're fighting a lot right now is so much of the time that has elapsed and even the time since this country was founded has been a erasing of history at every turn or a rewriting of history. Fundamentally, we know, for example, that something happened in the Act of 1871. We understand that the Constitution was redone, but that got buried with all the other things going on. 
just like they did this last weekend during the Chinese balloon attack. In the balloon attack of 2023, when it took a F-22 Raptor to finally save America from a balloon that had already passed over it and nothing else could stop it. In the midst of all of that psychodrama, the Biden administration released one of the highest value target people we had from 9-11 and let him go from Guantanamo. History is being rewritten all around us. Statues are being torn down. Histories in our schools that are being taught to children are being rewritten. And now as there's more emphasis upon AI and the dependency upon an artificial intelligence to provide information and truth, truth by the lens of whom? It's not God's truth. It's the truth bit written by programmers that are too often woke that don't want the certain things spoken about or have a belief system that certain things shouldn't be spoken about because there's an agenda with their truth. So the Bible that carries forth the simple truths of births and deaths and marriages and significant events, as we understand what those events mean in a person's life, they tell a much deeper story. And they become memorial stones within Scripture. Continuing with Joshua 4.8. The sons of Israel did as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, just as the Lord spoke to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. And they carried them over with them to the lodging place and put them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan, at a place where the feet of the priests had carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they were and they are there to this day. For the priests who carried the Ark were standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed. And then all of the people had finished crossing the Ark of the Lord and the priests crossed before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over the battle array before the sons of Israel, just as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 equipped for war crossed for battle before the Lord to the desert plains of Jericho. And of all those events that were happening, the Lord wanted them to remember the crossing of the River Jordan. There's a lot of metaphor there, too. Obviously, metaphor that we can draw out. There's a literal, literal crossing of a, of a river, a crossing of an impassable barrier, which to the, to the blessings of the Lord, the river was divided as it was with Moses, and they were able to cross over to a desert again. This time, not a desert to wander, but this time a desert to go in and equip for war to conquer, to destroy evil. Before They were escaping and running away. This time they were heading into the promised land. What a significant event to remember and to memorialize. One has to wonder when we read about these names in scriptures or in Bibles, what that was being thought of at the time. Was it just an entry of a birth or was there something more? And it's difficult for us to ascertain. But nonetheless, they're important histories of who we are. We unfortunately live in a society where history has become fictionalized. Hayden White wrote that in 
19, I want to say, it was about 1988 when Hayden White wrote History is Fiction. And his argument was that nobody could write a truth in history because everybody was looking at history from, a narr- from their own narrative lens. It's very much the postmodern view of things, that there is no truth. Which is not something that a person that walks with God believes. But in a world of agnostics, in a world of atheists, that's the common perception. So the things that memorialize truth no longer are important. In fact, they become obstacles to achieving what they want to achieve. Those rocks in the River Jordan or the memorial stones on the other side, they're there to remind us of a time as in other statues and events that have happened around this nation. You don't have to be one that likes statues. You don't have to be one that agrees with what the statue is, is of or what it represents. But it's nonetheless a part of our history to memorialize that for good and bad. War is memorialized, in my opinion, not to glorify, but to remind us of the pain and suffering of what war is. But as you strip these things down and you strip them away, as we take Bibles out of the home and we no longer honor and cherish our lineage and what it was and what it was documented in scriptures or in the pages of scripture, then we start to be unhinged, decoupled from the roots that keep us who we are. And that's by design. Because once we start to sever people from their family and from the strength of who they are, they begin to wander. Right now, a world is wandering in the desert. We're sadly in this place where I don't think for most they've crossed over yet, meaning metaphorically the crossing of the Red Sea. But they are wandering, and they're wandering brilliantly. And they're bumping into each other, and they're bumping into things, and they're getting tired of this and they're getting agitated and they're getting inflamed because they want things their way because there is no such thing as truth and they want to live their way, my way, the highway, get out of my way sort of thing. And our hearts should be pained by that. As we look across this, as much as it can be angering, it also should be very humbling. And it should be one that we have a great deal of empathy for because most of those people have never met Jesus. And most of those people have never had an encounter with the living God. And so they wander, missing one of the greatest points of life, which is to live by, with, and through our Father and with Jesus in such a miraculous way that we grow and expand and appreciate the details of things, the origins of things the birth of things. And we equally mourn the death of things, but we try to celebrate the life of all things. Definitely in an interesting time. In a time where we are challenged to have to build bridges with those that have had so much venom and hate in their heart. And by building bridges, that doesn't mean that we're bending over but we're simply trying to open up a gateway where they can see something other. And we're trying to speak truth. And in the process of speaking truth, as we begin with this, we become the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in square holes. 
that whole piece in Joshua here speaks to that to me, the memorial stones. Because once those men crossed over the River Jordan, the 40,000, they were forever changed. They hadn't realized it yet. They had gone over and they were never going to go back to anything that was normal. That's been our journey here in the last three years. Since really the intensity of all of this COVID nonsense, this COVID con, we were given an opportunity to stand on one side of the river and watch or cross over to God's side. And we did just that. And it wasn't easy, by the way. We knew it. It was for many We had to endure a lot of pressures. And it would be like walking through a divided river. We've seen this wall of water on one side and wall of water on the other and having to have your faith to know that that God had that. But it's interesting that I would imagine that they probably didn't tarry much. Let's get across here quick. But God had it the whole time as he had all of us. So in this time, I'd ask you and ask everyone to reflect, what do you hold as a memorial stone of the accomplishment of crossing your river, Jordan? To remember these times, not with pain and agony, but as a significance of what God did. God protected all of us in this walk, and he still is. And in spite of those times when it seemed impossible in the last three years, we all should have gained something out of this to realize that our Father was there the whole time. Our Father was with us the entire journey and still is. And He showed us something. He showed us how much stronger we we, we are than we thought we are. He showed us what the world was really like. He gave us eyes to see truly the nature of this evil. And we were protected. Our Father. So when I go through the Founder's Bible and I read through the section of significant events that you could log in for a family on the journey, what would you write or what will you write there in your Bible? What will be your entry for this period of time? to talk about the significance of this spiritual journey. And in essence, what is your memorial stone that you're going to document or hold to share with your grandchildren so that they can share with theirs, to talk about this period of time and what you accomplished and what you were part of? Because this is God's time, and we've been part of something very significant, and it's important to memorialize this It is as significant as a birth because for so much of this, we've all been reborn. We have lived a moment in history and in time that few have ever done. And I would say that many in the past and many yet unborn will look back and some would have envied the moment we are in. Wondering what it would have been like to be able to stand to one of the most intense, insidious, ruthless, and relentless attacks on our minds and our spirit and our soul, and to never bow. See, that's worth memorializing. That's worth 
crossing the river Jordan and picking up a stone to put near your campsite. And each one of us has accomplished that. I'd say God's pretty great. And I'd say that's a pretty good entry in the family Bible. Let's pray. Father God, praises, praises of joy from our heart, praises of just thank you. What an amazing journey you have put us on. A form of exodus in itself, an exodus 2.0, that we've made it so far and now we continue knowing that you're right there with us. But we've crossed the River Jordan and we are now taking up the memorial stones. And so, Father, we just pray tonight that each one that reflects on this will take a moment to reflect on what that memorial stone is. Maybe it's an entry in the Bible. Maybe it's something that they hold. Maybe it's a broken piece of pottery. But this is a time to remember and a time to praise and thank you and just praise with thank you and humbleness before you because, Father, you have brought us so much and you have never left us and you have shown us how much greater we are than we realized we were. And so thank you, Father. Guide us in these days, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So this, my whole weekend project was to redo my studio at home. And that's new shelving and sorting through lots of stuff, setting up my ham shack, setting up, putting up some new sound treatment on the walls. Tomorrow's kind of the final coup d'etat of this whole thing because it's putting in a new desk. It's an adjustable standing sitting jet desk. And it's been a real amazing process because there's been a lot of cutting through stuff and letting go. But today, unexpectedly, I found a box that I had put away in some files of things I had. And I opened it up and I was about ready to throw it away. And I realized what it was. It was my memorial stone that someone had sent to me. It was a piece of the clay pot that was broken at Bart's Fest. A reminder of the 300 of Gideon. The 300 pots that were made by Jennifer Renee. Southern Echoes. Every pot handmade, she did, as I recall, six to ten pots a day. Three hundred of them. And she carried them. She drove down to Bard's Fest, and she brought every single one to put a candle and a light in it and then to have us break them. Those are significant moments. There are significant moments that need to be remembered because there are moments where we literally believed and ultimately did change the world. 
Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest dead. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body.